This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals. Thank you for downloading and welcome to the Diabetes in Primary Care podcast, bringing you medical information about the management of diabetes from a primary care perspective. I am Fernando and let's start this episode. In this episode, we will be discussing the type 2 diabetes NICE guidelines, that is NG28. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording and all views and opinions are my own. Today, we're going to focus on the non-insulin drug management of blood glucose in type 2 diabetes and the related NICE guidance in the UK. The purpose of this podcast is to give you a brief summary of the guidelines, focusing primarily on the choices of the various possibilities in the drug treatment. In respect of drug treatment, the recommendations in this section will refer to each of the groups of drugs at class level. The drug groups referred to are the peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors, also known as DPP4, inhibitors. They are also known as gliptins. Um, Glucagon-like peptide 1 mimetics or GLP-1 mimetics or agonists. Sodium glucose co-transported 2 inhibitors or the SGLT2s also known as glyphosins and sulfonylureas. Now the first thing to say is that if a patient with type 2 diabetes is symptomatically hyperglycemic, we should consider insulin or sulfonylurea to start with and then review the treatment when the blood glucose control has been achieved. So we don't necessarily have to start according to what this guidance is going to say. This is mostly for asymptomatic patients, but, but if they are symptomatic, then insulin or sulfonylurea could be the thing to start with. Now there's also a flowchart that we'll include in the podcast description and that is also seen as a simple summary. In reality, as a net memoir, we could say that the first line is always metformin. If that's not enough, then it will be dual therapy with metformin and another oral medication. If this is still not enough, then it will be triple therapy with metformin and two other oral medications or insulin. Now, if these are not indicated, ineffective or not tolerated, then a GLP-1 agonist in triple therapy with metformin and a sulfonylureal can be used, provided certain conditions are met. Right, for the initial drug treatment, we have to offer standard release metformin for patients with type 2 diabetes and gradually increase the dose over several weeks to minimize the risk of gastrointestinal side effects. Now, we normally go for standard release, but if a patient experiences gastrointestinal side effects, we could consider a trial of modified release metformin, which sometimes is associated with a lower incidence of side effects. Obviously, there's a caution in respect of renal function. So if the EGFR drops below 45 mL per minute, then we should review the dose of metformin. 
and we should stop it if the EGFR is below 30 mils per minute or prescribe it with caution in those between 30 and 45 mils per minute generally meaning that the maximum dose should be reduced by half. So that's fairly simple. Um, so you start metformin and go for it. Now, if metformin is contraindicated or not tolerated, then we will start initial drug treatment with a different oral medication. And that could be either a DPP-4 inhibitor or pioglitazone or a sulfonylurea. And those are the three main drugs that NICE recommends. Now they do say that treatment with an SGLT2 inhibitor may be appropriate for some patients, and we will see which ones those are. And also mention they also mention repaglinide, which is a meglitinide drug. And it says that it's both clinically effective and cost-effective. However, there is no licensed non-metformin combination. So obviously, if we start somebody on monotherapy with repaglinide, then we're going to become unstuck when we come to combining it with something else because all the combinations would be unlicensed. So that would be something against it. Now, if we consider pioglitazone, we have to bear in mind that pioglitazone is associated with an increased risk of heart failure, bladder cancer and bone fracture. And therefore we should not offer or continue pioglitazone if patients have a history of heart failure, bladder cancer, did microscopic hematuria, hepatic impairment because of the initial reports of um, liver failure uh, in this class of drugs, and diabetic ketoacidosis because it would be ineffective and harmful in these cases. Now, when we come to SGLT2 inhibitors, they're recommended as monotherapy only if a DPP4 inhibitor would be the choice to be prescribed because a sulfonylurea or pioglitazone is not appropriate. So patients for whom sulfonylurea and pioglitazone is not appropriate and you're thinking that you're going to do a DPP4 inhibitor, then you could use an SGLT2 inhibitor instead. Now, have to remember there's an increased risk of diabetic ketoacidosis with SGLT2 inhibitors, and we would need to test for raised ketones in patients with acidosis symptoms, even if the plasma glucose levels are near normal. Obviously, we would suspect acidosis if, for example, there's rapid weight loss, feeling sick, stomach pain, fast and deep breathing, sleepiness, sweet smell to the breath, sweet metallic taste in the mouth, etc. The mechanism by which SGLT2 inhibitors might lead to diabetic ketoacidosis has not been established, but it's a definite association. And we also have to bear in mind there's an increased risk of lower limb amputation with canaglifosin. Uh, and that affecting mostly toes in patients with type 2 diabetes. 
The evidence that does not show an increased risk for dapaglyphosin and empaglyphosin, but the risk may be a class effect. So we have to be uh, particularly careful uh, with this group of drug. Right, so this is the first initial treatment, and we're going to aim for patients who are on anything other than esophenylurea, we're going to aim for an HbA1c of 48 or 6.5%. If the patient has to be on a sulfonylurea monotherapy because of the risk of hypoglycemia, we would aim for a slightly, slightly higher HbA1c and that would be 53 or 7%. So if after initial drug treatment, we check the HbA1c and the agreed threshold for intensification has not been met, then we would consider dual therapy. Now we have to be aware that the drugs in dual therapy should be introduced in a stepwise manner, checking for tolerability and effectiveness on each, of each drug. And the dual therapy would be normally metformin and a DPP-4 inhibitor, or metformin and pioglitazone, or metformin and a sulfonylurea. And those are the three main dual therapy combinations recommended. Obviously, it does say that treatment combinations with SGLT2 inhibitors may be appropriate in some patients. And basically, it says that Combination therapy with metformin is recommended as an option only if a sulfonylurea is contraindicated or not tolerated and the person is at significant risk of hypoglycemia and its consequences. So where you're, you can't use sulfonylurea, then you may be able to use an SGLT2 inhibitor instead. Obviously, these dual therapy regimes are for patients who can tolerate metformin, but if metformin is contraindicated or not tolerated, then the dual therapy would consist of a DPP-4 inhibitor and pioglitazone, a DPP-4 inhibitor and a sulfonylurea, or pioglitazone and a sulfonylurea. And please note that there is no mention of an SGLT2 inhibitor in dual therapy without metformin in the NICE guideline. Um, so dual therapy with an SGLT2 is possible. Um, and the guidance does not seem to like SGLT2 inhibitors in combination with a DPP4 inhibitor. Right, so we've come to the first intensification. Um, now if we cannot reach the agreed threshold for HbA1c, which is again, it would be 58 millimole per mole or 7.5% of HbA1c, then we would consider either triple therapy or starting insulin. Now we're not, we're not going to touch on the insulin on this episode, so we're going to focus now on the triple therapy which would be either metformin, a DPP-4 inhibitor, and a sulfonylurea, metformin, pioglitazone, and a sulfonylurea, or an SGLT2 inhibitor, 
either with metformin and sulfonylurea or metformin and pioglitazone. Although we have to remember that dapaglifosin should not be used with pioglitazone. It's just not one of the recommended combinations in the NICE guidelines. But metformin, sulfonylurea and SGLT2 inhibitor is okay. Metformin, pioglitazone and then either canaglifosin or empaglifosin would be okay. Please note that you should not be using a DPP4 inhibitor if you're using an SGLT2 inhibitor. Now, if triple therapy with metformin and two oral drugs is not effective, not tolerated or contraindicated, and obviously if you don't want to start insulin, then we could consider an alternative injectable like a GLP-1 agonist. And that would be allowed in triple therapy with metformin and esulfonylurea. So we wouldn't be using it with a DPP-4 inhibitor. We would not be using it with an SGLT-2 inhibitor. We would not be using it with pioglitazone. It would only be metformin, sulfonylurea, and a GLP-1 agonist. And you would use those only if patients are obese with a BMI of over 35 although you can adjust it for people from black, Asian and other minority ethnic groups and specific problems associated with obesity. Or you can also start in people with a BMI lower than 35 for whom insulin therapy would have a significant occupational implication or for those for whom weight loss would benefit other significant obesity-related comorbidities. Now, if we do start GLP-1 agonist, you could only continue it if you have achieved a beneficial response, that is, a drop of at least 11 millimole per mole, or 1% in the HbA1c levels, and a weight loss of at least 3% of the initial body weight. Now, obviously, all of this is for patients who can tolerate metformin, so you've gone into your triple therapies and plus-minus GRP. If the patient cannot tolerate metformin, so it says if metformin is contraindicated, not tolerated, and if dual therapy with two other oral drugs has not continued to control the HbA1c, then we should consider insulin-based treatment. And there's no mention that you would use either GLP or triple therapy not involving metformin. Finally, remember that in adults with type 2 diabetes, a GLP-1 agonist in combination with insulin should only be started in specialist care settings. That was the first episode of the Diabetes in Primary Care podcast. You can find it on the internet and I will put links to the guidelines mentioned there and in the podcast description. Thank you for listening.